Blue Wire. The Philadelphia 76ers select Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Here comes Simmons between the legs. Welcome, everybody, to a pandemic-themed, possibly post-apocalyptic version of the New Slant Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Newbeck. This week, once again, our podcast is being brought to you by our friends at, at Bet Online, who have been generous enough to help us out with some extra gambling gambling money during this these tough times that, that i personally appreciate i don't know how much of a degenerate seamus has been with those funds but i for one am, am very thankful for it and with me as always my buddy my pal seamus clancy seamus how is your uh self-isolation self-quarantine going down there and are you in south philly yes how uh, is it i'm down essentially there? just a uh, little ghost towny. Uh, I live on top of, of a convenience store, which is pretty helpful in terms of, like, I went down there. Today's Wednesday. We're recording this. You're probably listening late Wednesday night or Thursday. Monday, I went down there, and there was no toilet paper out, but he's, like, keeping it in the back. And obviously, I have a close relationship with, down with him, so I went and grabbed a couple of rolls because yeah. people are freaking out. Stuff like that is nice. Um, otherwise, I'm okay. I'm you know, I'm pretty anal and insane, so I'm convincing myself that I'm sick, even though I'm likely not and just don't want to see my parents or anything like that. And, you know, I don't want to deal with the guilt of they got sick and me thinking, oh, my God, I got them sick or something like that. Right. So just me well, and my girlfriend so hold up. Two things off of, uh, off of what you just said. Number one, on the toilet paper front. People need to chill out and understand that everybody needs supplies right now. Like I, I was at the supermarket earlier in the week and is at the Acme in Northern Liberties. And, you know, the people that were shoving like multiple huge things yeah, it's insane. toilet paper. And it's like, dude, there's like little old ladies who are going to come in and need last minute supplies who are already putting themselves at risk to come out to the supermarket to begin with. Like, you don't need three months of toilet paper. They're going to ship more. Like, there's going to be more. They're not just going to run out. You'll be able to figure it out. As long as you have enough to get through, like, this isolation period, you're going to be okay. And I think that would be my message to just about everybody right now. It's not, obviously, toilet paper is one of the most prominent things. But, you know, like, look out for people. And your other point about, like, you don't want to see, you don't want to subject other people to risk, like, that. I, you're saying that you're you know a little paranoid or whatever but it's much better to have that attitude and to try to protect the people who actually have vulnerabilities in terms of their immune systems and what have you than to just go around willy-nilly and like you know pack into like fucking mcgillans or like these people in clearwater florida they're just yeah, like nuts. flooding the beaches and like dude just have a little respect for other people i don't it's this is not a thing that we have dealt with as like a country as in the world in a, a long time. And people think that it's like, you know, we've had a lot of scares with different illnesses in the past and people brush it off. To me, the, the guiding philosophy always has to be, you know, just listen to what the experts are telling you, remain relatively calm and try to look out for other people and not just yourself. And unfortunately that doesn't seem to be what's happening right now. 
Yeah, it's really rough. Um, but I think last weekend, I actually, you know, I'm a pretty negative person. But I think last weekend was a wake up call for a lot of people. And this upcoming weekend has some nice weather too. So people might be tempted to go outside, you know, dumb, idiot, younger people. But I think people are taking it a little bit more seriously and have some optimism the curve will be flattened to a degree. Because I think a lot of those people that were out last weekend or might be like, they didn't really understand the severity of it yet or they already have trips booked and they're just like, you know, fuck it, YOLO, whatever, I'm young. But I think we're going to get better in terms of people staying inside. I just think the severity of it, it's so widespread in terms of the knowledge and people talking about preventive tips that, I don't know, I'm weirdly hopeful that we're going to handle it, you know, much better than I expected the country to handle it overall. Well, and I do think too, I don't want to make it sound like I do think there is time for people to like, you know, go for a walk in the, like for like 20 minutes in the afternoon. Just don't be doing it with like a big group of people or walking through crowded areas or doing stuff that you're explicitly being told not to do. Like don't get stir crazy and feel like you're just trapped in between four walls and can't do anything. But, you know, listen to the recommendations that people who study this stuff and the people around the world who have actually started cutting down on these cases and, and finding ways to to slow it down like that's who you need to listen to not some schmuck from south philly or some stupid politician hey. who's got like an agenda like listen to the people who actually know you're not an expert and i am not an expert so i am telling you listen to the experts yeah isn't it did you see uh, that the one I don't know his title or specific, the guy who's like a pretty high up, I don't know if it's a CDC, another organization went on part of my take of all places. I did not because I, mean, I don't I to, generally pay attention to their, uh, well, I'm not, their just, content. Well, just hold on. Uh, I mean, it is pretty notable that I think it's actually good that he, this person, individual is going on to a fan base that might otherwise not take this seriously and if they have people like pft and big cat doing that i think that's actually really smart and i'm obviously not a barstool guy but i kind of appreciate that they're doing something like that no i would agree i I was only saying i don't i wasn't aware of it because i don't generally have any any connection to those guys or pay any attention to them but uh, good for anybody who's trying to call attention to to things and Dr. Anthony Fossey. I'll have to look into him, I suppose, at at some point. But this is a good segue, Seamus, for something I wanted to talk about because I know there are some people who don't want to listen to us talk about coronavirus for 45 minutes, but the connection to the Sixers, which is the reason we have this podcast in the first place. And, you know, I've been hammering, hammering, hammering the team for playing that game last Wednesday. And I've gotten a pretty decent amount of pushback from the people with the team, from some fans who are like, oh, well, what we're like, when I said it at the time, people were saying, well, what are people not supposed to go to Wawa or do all this other stuff? And it's like, well, it turns out that was all coming down the pipeline that you weren't really supposed to go into public places. But I, I think. The biggest disappointment I have with the organization last week was that the city of Philadelphia, even in the preliminary stages, said, I believe it was on Tuesday. And so a day before they played the Pistons game, perhaps Monday. All the, this feels like it's been like a year rather than a week 
um, but they they recommended no gatherings of more than 5,000 people at the time. And so to me, that was the obvious sign. Like, hey, you can't have fans at this game on Wednesday. And the Sixers came out and a team official gives a bunch of phone calls to reporters and says, we're aware of the recommendation, but want to point out that it's not a mandate. And it's like, so what you need the city of Philadelphia to tell you it's illegal to incentivize you to prioritize public health instead of trying to take people's money one more time before the league is suspended. And, and so just the whole thing to me was just an absolute disgrace the way they handled it. I said it before they played the game. I, I feel even more strongly about that now, especially as we've seen the the devastation this has had on like so many people, so many different industries, the amount of people that were put at risk in that game, like set aside even the fans, their own players were put at risk. Christian Wood, who was matched up with Al Horford and Joel Embiid for a lot of that game, has tested positive for coronavirus, or at least there has reportedly tested positive who for has, coronavirus. Who has? Christian Wood. Oh, Christian Wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like, dude, I don't know how they have received that internally and like if there have been any regrets about going on and playing that game with a, a full crowd but I, I just thought that that was an absolutely ridiculous decision and it continues to look worse the more time passes yeah uh pretty idiotic and partially i want to blame josh Howard or the ownership you know that's kind of my thing it's something you know fans in my position love to do but I, I do give at that time uh, some governmental blame where people were saying, oh, you know, these are X amount of people you're allowed to have in here, blah, blah, blah. When reality that no one should have been gathering, not just, you know, crowds more than 250 people, not just crowds of more than 5000 people. And what was the benefit of having that game? Just the game receipts, the concessions, these things. And it just super short sighted. And, you know. More likely than not, not just one, but multiple players on the Sixers likely have this. Even if they are in ace, I'm going to butcher this word, asymptomatic. Asymptomatic. Yeah, yeah. I said it. Uh, yeah, it was just short-sighted. Puts people at risk. Puts people like you at risk where your job was to be there. Puts the arena workers at risk. It's just a trickle-down effect. Yeah, look, like I, I will not blame them for myself being there because I had my employer. You're so brave, Kyle. Yeah, well, like my employer was smart and kind enough to say, like, it's your decision whether you want to go or not. And a lot of the reason I went was I felt like it was my responsibility to ask questions of whoever they were going to make available to talk about this because the writing was on the wall that this was all going to happen. And so it ended up that, you know, Rudy Gobert test positive right as – or that news breaks right as Sixers Pistons is finishing. And so that's when the league gets suspended and it's like all everything goes into motion. And that's when we're talking to Elton Brand and Brett Brown. And so I felt I had to be there to ask them, like, did you feel this was irresponsible to play this game in the first place, at least in front of the crowd? And like that, if I'm like, it sounds stupid, but to me, if I was going to get sick or put myself at risk, I was going to do it because I was trying to do something for the greater good. Like obviously a normal basketball game would not have been worth that, but questions about that specific scenario mattered to me and were like a public health 
public information thing that needed to be out there. And so, you know, they did Elton Brand did not give an answer and Brett Brown essentially deferred to the league's decision making. So I, I don't know, like to your point, Josh Harris owns some of that. He certainly doesn't own all of that, but I, I thought that they fell short as an organization. One thing I should say in the interest of fairness, as we're hammering the team and Josh Harris is that he was one of the first owners in pro sports that came out and said that he was going to, they were going to take care of uh, the, the employees that have been impacted by this, that, you know, the games are no longer going on and there are a lot of people working part-time or even in more of a full-time capacity that work as, as bartenders, servers, janitors, what have you, just event staff, at the arena that are now suddenly without paycheck. So uh, good on the organization for stepping up and doing that. There have been players that have taken up that cause elsewhere. But, uh, I mean, even though the players are certainly wealthy enough to to do that, I, I certainly think that it should be the billionaire owner's responsibility. And, and Harris, with you know minimal pressure and minimal need to fall in line at the stage that he did it, was one of the first people to do that. So I do give him credit for, for stepping up it that way, but that should be like, you know, that's, that should be the bare minimum from all of these guys. And it, it's a sad state of affairs that it's a, a good quality that he would actually think to take care of his employees with all the money that he has. Yeah. The, uh, rocket owner, I just saw that he like temporarily eliminates paid time off for his hotel employees Tillman for that dude's a today. joke, dude. He's he shouldn't be in the league. Uh, back to the Josh Howers. I'm obviously not a fan of his. Uh, he's that was a great move by him to get out in front of it, and I think you know maybe be the second or third ownership group to say that. I know Mark Cuban uh, reiterated something about that immediately when he found out uh, about the news. He was getting interviewed on ESPN, I believe, or whatever local TV station there was, and Dallas. So I do commend uh, Joshua Howers for doing that because you know. You know, we're both local. I'm sure you know people who work at the stadium or arena just from being there or in your I personal do, yeah. life. And I know tons of people that work there, bartenders, ushers, uh, people that are, you know, service workers for the uh, people that are sitting courtside. I don't know what you would, just like a, a waiter or a waitress, however you would describe it. Yeah, like and servers, basically. Servers, yeah. And it's just a messed up situation. It's it's dumb to say, it's, well, it's bigger than sports. It's obviously bigger than sports, but it's affecting people uh, through sports in a way that you might not necessarily think of. And for the ownership group, these people are making billions of dollars, they're in part of revenue sharing, they have ticket sales, all these different things. For them to not take care of these um, workers in their own community would be so foolish, terrible PR, and ultimately unethical, in my opinion. So again, uh, I'm happy the Sixers were on the forefront of doing so. Uh, because Joshua Harris also announced he was doing that with the Prudential Center employees. He's obviously also the owner of the New Jersey Devils, and he owns that arena as opposed to he does not own the Wells Fargo Center. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to make clear that it, they deserve to be hammered for what they failed at. But, you know, I, I think it's much different to do what Harris did, which is, I, I think, fairly proactive in that they committed early to doing this versus, you know, some of these owners that have taken until, you know, like yesterday or today after they've been hammered by the press, hammered by their fans, hammered publicly on social media for not stepping up and then 
caving because they were pressured to do so. I think that's a very different type of situation. So, you know, we'll leave it at that. Good job by the Sixers and the ownership group for stepping up there. Uh, Let's take a, we'll take our quick ad break here and then we'll come back and talk about, I guess, where, where things go from here and maybe Seamus and I can find the, the strength to think of a loser of the week. Oh, <laughs> so this week I'm here to tell you about our friends at bet online with no NBA, NHL or college basketball. You might think there's nothing to bet on. And I can tell you, you would be wrong. Bet online still has hundreds of places to wager from their online casino to poker and blackjack all open 24 hours a day and they're all online and sports aren't totally done there's still mma and esports is on the rise also want to point out shout out to the philly fusion and the overwatch league i don't think i would ever bet on esports but you know we do have a local team that is going to play while in quarantine so everybody should be aware of that if you're into entertainment you can still bet on things like american idol the elections god help you if you want to bet on this election the spelling bee and even the nathan's hot dog eating contest now shout out joey chestnut the absolute hot dog eating goat be sure to use promo code blue wire that's all one word to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your new ticket to online action so and also let me add just one more thing to that that ad read i can tell you i have won some money on some absolutely insane things to bet on on bet online like without going too far down the rabbit hole i have won money on events like darts i have bet on uh asian champions league and soccer shout out to i think that i bet i won a bet on a team that's named after a tire company so that was that was really good so listen there is a an, an absence of sports but if you look hard enough and you you know you put your brain to use you can still win some money so that's all i'm gonna say about that seamus have you been getting any gambling on since the uh the quarantine hit are you saving all your shekels since we might be uh it's going to be a, a while. Recession here. Yeah, I'm going to save it until uh, you know the NBA kicks off next March or something crazy. Somebody had a tweet earlier today that was a picture of Michael Jordan pushing all his chips in at the at a poker table. That was like me me using all of my relief payment to bet on a parlay as soon as the NBA comes back. Oh geez. And I was like, yeah, you know that a lot of people are going to. If there is some sort of relief payment, you know there are some people that are going to take that money and say, you know what, let's let it ride. <laughs> yeah, I could really I don't personally that condone check. that strategy, by the way. I'd say be careful because things are heading down a very slippery slope. But, you know, more power to you if you're in a position to, to do that. Um, anyway, so I guess looking forward now, there have been a lot of reports on the the doom and gloom side of, of for the NBA uh, because of recommendations from the CDC where they don't want events of really any size to happen for the next two months at least. That's pushing the NBA back to a time where they might not be able to even come back if they come back at all until mid-June, which that completely throws – the league calendar for a loop 
And so beyond that, I'm just wondering, I wrote an article the other day, Seamus, where I said if it, if it ends up taking that long, that they should just cancel the season. And I'm wondering where you stand on this, because I know in the past you've been an advocate for changing the NBA calendar and when it starts and, you know, like cutting down on the overlap with football as it exists right now. And so I wonder if that has any impact on how you feel about them you know, bringing the season back late and finishing at a, a much later time than they normally do. I would just recommend canceling the season right now. I think it's the smartest decision. There's so much unknown going on right now. And what's the point of dragging it out? It just leaves everyone in a state of limbo that I think is unnecessary when there's already so much in limbo in the world in general. And maybe from a selfish entertainment perspective, I'd rather look at the NFL. It's a nice respite from what's everything that's going on right now. And I wouldn't mind if we were in NBA offseason mode. I mean, I think a lot of people would agree that most of the time, the NBA offseason is more entertaining than the actual regular season with every going, everything going on. It's soap <laughs> opera-ish. It's, there's drama. There's intrigue. There's social media beef and wars. Everyone is looking for different Woj or Shams notifications. And I wouldn't be opposed to just canceling it. I know the D-League isn't going to do that, you know, Without careful consideration, they don't want to lose those. The owners don't want to lose those playoff ticket money. They don't want to lose the advertising dollars from television deals, and you know certainly players want to play. Do you think the Bucks really want to stop this season? Do you think LeBron wants to stop this season? Do you think you know all these big teams where there's it's kind of a wide open league to a degree? I know the Bucks are a regular season juggernaut, but it remains to be seen what they do in the playoffs. There's too much money on the table to cancel it right now, but I'm in favor of doing so and just going. Diving headfirst into off-season mode, draft, free agency, and you know, wait a little bit. Maybe start the, the next season. Wait till Christmas Day. I'm, I'm in favor overall for not starting the NBA season until Christmas Day with a truncated schedule. And we know that, again that won't happen because they're losing gate dollars, TV money, and things like that. But you know, if I was the sports czar, as Bill Simmons would say, I would definitely axe the season right now, wait things out, come back strong December 25th. Yeah, so I think it, I would wait it out a little bit longer than you would because I, I do want to see exactly what happens with uh, how the country responds to coronavirus and all the 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 domino effects that, that flow out of that. But I will say, if we end up in a situation where the earliest they can come back is mid-June, I don't, I don't want to see them come back at that point because in the point I made in the article I wrote, earlier this week or maybe it was the end of last week I, once again all the days are blending together when you like barely leave the house at all um the point i made was that like the, part of the reason the nba playoffs are great is that you are you build this rhythm as a team over the span of half a year and guys you settle into rotations you've tinkered with lineups and you figured out all right this two-man combo is one that we want to stick with at almost all times this bench lineup, this bench group works, this doesn't work, we need this shooter with this guy, this defender with this guy, and it's like this this fact-finding process. And it all culminates like as soon as mid-April hits, that all is like, it's all on the table. And you start to see who rises to the top, you see these adjustments, and, and the teams that have you know navigated that 82-game period well are the teams that come out and, and succeed in the playoffs. And with the way that they had the schedule theoretically lined up, they'd have to just chop the end of the regular season off. And they have already banned team practices 
uh, indefinitely for the time being, rightfully so, with the, the pandemic ongoing right now. And so you're talking about a situation where guys would be coming off a, a multiple month layoff and just being thrown into the playoffs and like the, the quality of the product would be much worse. And like to me that it would, I would feel robbed that we're supposed to be like, look, I would probably be grateful that we have sports to watch and something to do relative to my job at that point. But I don't want this inferior version of the product and to like, you know, these guys have career long implications for what happens in these playoffs, like LeBron's legacy and all this other stuff is judged based on what happens. And like, it feels very short sighted and unfair to a lot of these guys that we would ultimately look back and judge them on this weird season that, you know, they probably have to play the playoffs with no fans. And that's another part of this where how could you have be so weird to watch. for the playoffs if there's no there's nobody in the arena like you look back at all these old classic games that everybody loves to watch every so often and most of us are watching right now to help pass the time with all this time on our hands and half the reason that those games are great is because the crowds are electric and they are locked in from the first minute of the game all the way until the very end like they they will their teams to victory and when guys go on the road and they can silence road crowds it's like a noticeable, tangible thing. And those are moments that fans remember. Those are big gut punches and losses. And like, I don't know how you can replicate that in empty arenas that feel like pickup games. And so there are a lot of reasons I just like, I would be fine with it. Like, this is going to make my life very challenging until the league comes back. As And I'm certainly not going through the same hardships as people in like, restaurant industry and other places but i think in terms of like the why i love the sport and the nba and why a lot of people do i just i don't think you can replicate that with the the situation that we are in currently yeah going back to the idea of no fans i think the league is overlooking how weird that would be how odd it would be to watch it on tv and in a way how it would remove a level of excitement from a game that's you know teams love going into that playoff atmosphere and the viewing experience would be so watered down on television and if they're not pulling in ratings that's a gigantic problem for them going forward yeah and like Seamus you've talked about this a lot in, in talking about the Eagles Super Bowl run like a lot of the memories that I've seen you share from that year are not even necessarily the games themselves but like being with friends and loved ones and watching those sure. games and being able to celebrate those victories with the people that you like grew up loving the team with and like uh, maybe they're they're the social isolation so they're self-quarantine type stuff ends if they're able to bring the league back. But if we're in a stage where we still can't have like larger groups together and they're playing these games, then like you can't even have those moments. You're essentially, we're all at home by ourselves, maybe with like a significant other or like a couple friends. And, and that's all, that's the only people that you can experience that game with. And to me, part of the beauty of sports has always been the communal aspect of it. Like I'll, I, if I travel at all, 
and I happen to see somebody wearing like an Eagles hat or a, a Sixers shirt or whatever it is, that's a way to, to strike a conversation with someone and make acquaintances and friends in new places. And, you know, you, you share your memories. You, you can ask people like it's a Philly specific thing to ask like what neighborhood you're from and what have you. So like, I don't know, man, I just, I think that discounting the importance of having fans in the arena, especially for playoff games would be very short-sighted. I think I'm sure that like, again, I'm sure it's the unpopular opinion to say they should cancel because people are going to be dying for any form of live entertainment to come back. Even if it means watching it on TV, I just, it just feels wrong to me in a way. Yeah, imagine LeBron James not feeding off a home crowd. Imagine Joel Embiid not feeding off of a home crowd. It's just strange and odd to think about. It's unprecedented. The only thing I could think of once was uh, when there was some uh, civil unrest, I don't know exactly what to call it, in Baltimore a few years back in the summer, and they played an Orioles game with no one there. Yeah, That was just a random baseball game in the middle of the summer between the Orioles, who've last couple years been one of the worst teams in the league. So that's a lot different than, you know, a LeBron James versus Giannis NBA Finals Game 7 with zero people in attendance. Right. It's supposed to have stakes. And, like, if you don't have, to your point about playing to the crowd, like, maybe the the hook would be they mic everybody up and we can hear everyone trash talking, but then, like, they're going to, that would have to be on like HBO or something for them to allow that because, and I'll tell you this, cause I'm in the middle of this uh, 2001 finals rewatch that I'm doing right now. There's a moment in the game two broadcast where Aaron McKee is guarding Kobe and Kobe comes down and he's close to the, the rim microphone. And he very loudly yells, suck my dick on the broadcast. Yeah. Stuff like and that. So I, w- I would love to hear, stuff like that all throughout a game but i don't think that's a very popular opinion amongst like you know average joe smith sports watcher there'd be a lot of what about the kids there'd be a lot of more i get i don't want to say how can i explain this to my that son sounds like political but like people who are a little less uh free-spirited when it comes to their language choices would be they would push back on that i personally would welcome hearing all the outrageous trash talk so that would be the only benefit to me of you know besides the medical stuff obviously because i'm i'm not advocating bringing the fans back this is not me saying you know bring the fans back despite the health risk it's not that at all but if there's one benefit it's that i would get to hear whatever the hell joel Embiid is saying to somebody like Andre Drummond or Hassan Whiteside, that would that would be a lot of fun. So what is your official prediction for how this plays out? If I had to guess, I think money's going to talk and they're going to bring it back eventually and it'll probably be some form of closed-door games. I think they're going to find... The reason I believe that is, number one, like, you know, there are a lot of... We already brought up Tillman the owner in Houston and I I think there will be enough people who see like okay we stand to lose a lot of money here and that will include the players because the salary cap and all that is impacted by league revenue 
I think there will be enough people that say, how do we make the best of a bad situation? I think they will end up playing those games because they have obligations to places like Turner and the Disney Corporation, and you don't mess with Mickey Mouse. That's one one enduring lesson from all this, I think. Um, I think they're going to find a way to broadcast games. And, you know, I do think there are some potentially unique opportunities. There was a, an experiment they did last year where they broadcast some games in VR through like Oculus Rift technology. And that's something that I'm honestly, I honestly believe decades from now, I don't know how long it'll be. I think it'll be a long time from now. Instead of selling the cable packages, I think we might get to a point where teams will sell games in VR as they do tickets, certainly much cheaper than they would like an in-person experience. But if you could charge fans like, I don't know, let's say $10 a pop for a game, even when they're watching at home versus paying the cable subscription price, I think that's a way that, you know, that's an alternate revenue stream that they're going to look at once the technology is there on a mass basis to make it happen. I wonder if they would, uh, you know, ramp up efforts to do that, to try to bring fans in for this sort of deal. I think they're going to, these are all things that have to be on the table right now because, you know, like we said, Seamus, it's hard to replace the fan aspect. And so they're going to have to try to find a way to make people still feel included while bringing it back. And I think that's a a tough needle to thread, but I do think at some point that greed is going to win out to a certain degree. And and like part of that is I also hope that this gets under control to a point that we can consider this, but you know, the more positive cases we see for NBA players and the longer the, the timer gets set back, the harder it is to justify bringing the league back. So do you think they're going to play all of the games? I think the regular season's done. I think just straight if the they playoffs. come back, it'll go straight to playoffs. And I think they'll probably have to figure out like a, a almost like a play-in tournament, which that'll be a nice appetizer leading into the playoffs. You'll have – it'll basically just be like the eighth seed in the West battle between uh, I believe it's Memphis, New Orleans, and maybe like one or two other teams – Almost everything else is pretty much decided. The East, there's like a little bit of a fight, but I think you could just like, nobody's going to care if the Washington Wizards don't make the playoffs and they're like five or six games back or something. So that's pretty unlikely anyway. I think you'll see like a single elimination tournament to get that eighth seed and then they'll just, they'll seed it as it is right now, if I had to guess. Do you think there'll be any kind of super many training camp of sorts? Uh, I would imagine they have to because they don't want to bring these guys out of like, you know, inactivity for months at a time and then just say, hey, go out there and play an NBA game. Number one, that wouldn't be good from an entertainment perspective. Number two, health wise, it wouldn't be great for the players to, uh, you know, go from inertia to going full bore game speed all the time. But given the calendar that they have discussed or that it has been reported at least, to start in mid-June and finish in August, that's the the only real way to do that unless you're playing back-to-backs for basically every game is to go to the playoffs. So I think that's that's got to be what they're looking at, at least if we're just reading the tea leaves here. Do you think they could have some truncated playoff rounds where 
you know, we go back to an old school format where the first round is just five games or maybe even the semifinals in each conference are five games? Or is there just too much on the line with playoff ticket money and playoff TV ratings? Yeah, I, I think it's possible, but I think ultimately what wins out is money, and I don't think they're going to turn down gate receipts from a fourth game. Like My thing with, and this is independent of what's going on right now, my thing has always been that I, I think first-round series, if a team goes up 3-0, the series should just be over. Like it, it's not a like it, it, if the other team gets a game in those first three, okay, then we can talk about it. like it's a true seven game series. But I think that's a way for the NBA to cut down on some of the the early slog series, and and you know that also rewards I think the one seeds because they get the uh, they get the weakest matchups and they're the most likely to go out to a three nothing lead in the first place. And so maybe that, maybe that provides some more incentive for regular seasons, but that's a, another discussion. I'm curious what you think about this Seamus, as we're on the subject of, you know, p- potentially canceling the season. Do you think that impacts the Sixers in a positive or a negative way at the cancel it outright? Positive for sure. This was, seems increasingly like a lost season so you get out of one more year of that Horford contract is burned you don't have to worry about you know the disappointment of an early playoff exit uh there's no rush to have Ben Simmons back for the playoffs it allows him to heal as much as possible uh so I think injuries have always been a concern with this team they always will be going forward so more time off isn't a terrible thing for them uh and to kind of end a season that has been so up and down so roller coastery and has been trending downward, uh, I guess, over the last couple of weeks before the season went on hiatus. Uh, might be good to just pack things up and restart things come the fall slash winter whenever the league starts back up. So I agree with you on the Simmons front. I am totally the opposite on everything else, though, because I think this was... You know, this is the year that you're paying the premium for Horford for. You're hoping that you can compete this year and next year, hopefully. And then, like, as he ages, try to tinker and figure it out around there. And so if they lose the chance to compete this season, I think that's a a bit, like, obviously out of their control, nothing that they could have done to predict a worldwide pandemic when they're signing Al Horford to a $100 million contract. But... I, I think that's like, you know, that that puts a lot of pressure on them to win as he's getting older and less athletic and worse. Um, and then the other part of it is, I think the playoffs were one of the last times where they could have recouped some value if they were to put him on the trade market this offseason. I think like there's always been this idea, and you and I have talked about it a lot on the podcast, Seamus, that maybe they're a a switch flipping team, that maybe there's an extra gear they can get to. And once they moved Horford out of the starting lineup and and used him more as like a true backup, you know, still played minutes with Embiid, but his focus was more as a, a backup than it was previously. I think that there was a way for them to show like, hey, he's still the guy or close to the guy that he was in the past. And without the proof of concept in the playoffs for like the whole model that they have 
you, the evidence that you have for the team construction shows that you know it's a, it's kind of a mess. And so when you go to other teams in the off season and say, "Hey, we want to like we're looking to make moves. What do you think about this deal for?" Al Horford or even Tobias Harris or whoever. I'm not saying they're actively shopping these guys, but certainly if things didn't go that well in the playoffs, that was a a conversation that was always going to come. But now without that, you sort of don't know, like your hypothesis that this team was built for the playoffs has no proof. And so you're waiting another year. And as you wait for another year, Josh Richardson next season is almost certainly going to opt out of his deal and become a free agent. Horford's another year older and Bede's another year closer to his contract expiring. Simmons is the only guy that's secure for a long time afterwards, but you know, there's all the, all the obvious questions about his game. So I think losing this season would be a, a potentially huge blow for him outside of, you know, any, any positive spin you could have on it for you know like let letting guys get healthy and right before returning see there's also the idea to me that i guess they'd be selling low but maybe it's a more opportune time to trade Horford this offseason i doubt i don't trust this front office to do anything correctly or well uh so maybe if they stayed on with elton i don't really trust what they're going to do but to me, if Horford were to get exposed in the playoffs, that shows that not only is he not able to keep with, up with a full regular season slate, that he can't even really turn it on the playoffs, and you'd have to be parting with several picks or assets to get That's him fair. off the, off his deal. And you know, I'd rather just kind of pack things up, keep his value where he's at, have people think that he's just in a bad situation. If it, whether it's playing alongside Joel Embiid, not being the focal point of the. Uh, defense if he's playing out of position and maybe getting a situation where a different head coach can utilize him better i'd rather just shut things down wait for them not to get any worse and then just deal in this summer where you have to detach a player or a pick or some combination thereof to rid yourself of, of his deal where i really think it's an addition by some this is we're getting kind of off topic but it's really an addition by subtraction move for me where i think removing him from the equation uh would certainly maximize the abilities of their best player and their franchise player. Yeah. And you brought up coaching and management and whatnot. I do wonder, and like, again, I just want to stress, this is not reporting. It's just, you know, just spitballing here. I wonder how this season just perhaps coming to a halt would impact any decisions that they make on, you know, long-term management choices. I, I, I think like if I had to guess, I think there's probably enough evidence that regardless, unless they had gone on a terrific playoff run, I think the fan base animosity towards Brett Brown has reached a point and the evidence has reached a point that maybe they just need a new voice that like it would have been, I don't think that there's, I would say it's pretty unrealistic to think that he would survive just because of like the season grinding to a halt. I do wonder if the front office might have been saved by all this because they could, you know, like a lot of guys that have hung around for a while post Colangelo that still make up the the brains of that front office. And I just, I don't know if they, they are able to convince Josh Harris that, you know, we didn't get to see our, our blueprint come to fruition in the playoffs. And that's always what, our team was designed for and Joel was obviously you know he had his ups and downs in terms of attitude and 
and uh, approach and however you want to frame it and, and may, they maybe they can sell the owners on that but you know i i still think after everything we've seen the last few years that they need to, to the ownership needs to take a long hard look at some wholesale changes there so i i don't know if that'll yeah. still be the case but go ahead Seamus. you're you're good i think brown's still gone if this were the end of the season though i think if this were to be the end, the front office stays in place for at least another year. Whereas if they somehow burned out in the first round, I could see them kind of tearing everything down, both the front office and the coaching staff. So, you know, I want the front office gone. So maybe in my mind, it'd actually be better for them to be in the playoffs. And, you know, I don't I don't think they're going to go to the finals or anything, have some sort of burnout and maybe everyone gets gone. Yeah, well... Uh, on this negative note, Seamus, I think it's uh, it's time for everybody's favorite segment. That is it time to rename the segment. By the way, is it yeah. going to make it official? Yeah, let's so, change it every year or something because Mac Hollins is gone. What has previously been called the Mac Hollins Loser of the Week Award it will now be named the Rudy Gobert Loser of the Week Award. I don't think I should have to explain the context behind it. Rudy Gobert came out, obviously, cop to being an idiot, should have done so. He was so. He's a giant loser. And as I'm saying this, I realize that the first annual Rudy Gobert Loser of the Week award goes to Rudy Gobert, and there is not really a close second. What a fucking idiot. Just, you know, screen assist that, buddy, you fucking loser. Yeah, what a... I know people didn't think it was as serious as it was then, but... Just being a gigantic dickhead about it is the stupidest thing of all time. That's my thing, man. Like all these people, there were certain, uh, I want to say, I don't even, some media members and, and a lot of people on Twitter who were making excuses for him. Like, well, nobody took it seriously. And I could point you to hundreds, if not thousands of people that were taking it very seriously in advance of him being a total dumbass. And Look, he's not a child. He's a grown man with the same access to Al Gore's internet that you and I have. And he still chose to make stupid decisions. He put a lot of people at risk. And for that, he has the the illustrious Loser of the Week award. Not just given to him this week, but renamed after him. So, fucking congratulations to that guy. Yeah, he sucks, man. He like his team has to. I think he should get blackballed. Honestly, did you have you seen any not, of the interviews? I'm not I know we're not. I, I know we're not Donovan Mitchell fans around here, but did you see the interview pissed. he did on Good Morning America? No. Uh, or I don't even. It wasn't on Good Morning. He it was with Robin Roberts, so I assume it was on Good Morning America. But she asked him about uh, Rudy Gobert, and he tried to basically like not talk about him while also saying like, Hey, you know, everybody's got a, he did. And in his, uh, when he addressed the public on Instagram about testing positive, he very pointedly did not mention Rudy's name at all and talking about people that were affected. So I'm actually very interested to see how players react to him when the whole league comes back. Cause I'm sure there are a lot of guys that are, fucking mad that you know that they might have lost this season 
and you know the chance to compete for a title because this dude didn't take this seriously enough yeah i know i joke a lot with rudy gobert and the jazz but i literally think he should get blackballed i can't imagine anyone <laughs> wanting him on their team lifetime uh, well well seamus the only thing i can promise is that we will not blackball you or i from this podcast we will keep going all throughout this these crazy times we will find a way to talk about basketball until basketball is actually back i assume at some point we'll pivot into some more draft related stuff maybe seamus and i'll use this opportunity to branch into some you know comic book pop culture other talk on here but uh in the meantime I hope I hope everybody is doing okay out there. Remember, wash your hands, look out for other people, follow the recommendations for the experts, and you know, look out for the people that you know and love, especially. But look out for everybody as much as you can right now. Yeah, everyone, stay safe. Hopefully, the podcast can bring some moments of levity for everyone, and yeah, and at the very least. At the very least, we can all say, fuck Rudy Gobert. Yeah, it's all... I promise that. It's all shit on Rudy Gobert for the next couple months. Uh, all right, Seamus. Good to hear from you, buddy. And uh, everyone else, we'll talk to you soon. See ya.